up, everybody? This is Mike Costello with Hunting Ain't Easy. And uh, just going to do a little recap of the Fishing Game Commission's WRC meeting uh, last week. Uh, that's the Wildlife Resource Committee meeting. And if you recall or if you're new to, to kind of the, the acronyms and whatnot for fishing game, um, here in the state of California, we've got the Department of Fish and Wildlife. They manage all the you know, wildlife and hunting regulations. Um, the Department of Fish and Game basically manages the department, um, sorry, the Commission of Fish and Game kind of manages the department. They set the regulations. So the commission is the regulatory body that decides uh, new regulations that pertain to wildlife management, hunting, hunting opportunity, uh, tag issuance, new premium hunt creation, etc. And the, uh, the WRC is the Wildlife Resource Committee and that is basically, uh, it's kind of a, a workshop type forum where the commission, uh, one or two commissioners can get together in a public setting with the department and discuss upcoming regulatory items that are of interest to the public and of interest to the commission and the department. Um, because there's only one or two uh, commissioners there, <coughs> it's not, uh, no votes are taken. Um, it's not considered, uh, I guess, you know, there's kind of a different level of, of formality that's required um, with that meeting because you don't have a voting, a full quorum of commissioners. And um, it's a little bit looser, looser forum, extended dialogue, um, usually no time restrictions on comments, um, although they do like to run it kind of like the Fishing Game Commission meetings. So anyways, there was a meeting last, this last week. Uh, it spanned two or one and a half days, started Wednesday afternoon, went to went through Thursday around 6 or 7 p.m. Um, they covered some important items that are going to be of interest to hunters and and anglers in California. Um, I don't really have the, the knowledge set and the experience or the, you know, the, the base of information to really speak to the, the angling issues, although they were interesting to hear the dialogue on and so i'm going to focus on talking about the hunting issues that were up and kind of how that fit how that wildlife resource committee meeting went first of all though i think it's important to call out that the anti-hunting community is coming full force uh right now they were um you know in california the last couple of years there's been really aggressive attacks both in, at the legislative level and at the petition level through the commission um, to take away bear hunting in california um, the uh and, and they're coming after it again um, they were responding to the fact that two items on the agenda for this last meeting with the wrc spoke to bear hunting issues um, and so they are rallying as though the last bear in the state of California is being hunted <laughs> and um, they're, they're, they're rallying hard here in California. And what's, what's interesting is, you know, they, they fundraise nationwide. You know, we're talking about the HSUS Humane Society of US, uh, Center for Biological Diversity, um, <laughs> Center for, let's see, there's a lot, there's a Los Angeles group called CLAW, um, something for animals and wildlife, um, defenders of wildlife, of course, project coyote, um, 
they are coming after hunting, hunting rights, hunting opportunity, and bear hunting specifically uh, in a big way here in California. So with that, I just want to say, join Hal for Wildlife. It's free. You can join as a, as a there, there's, there are membership options where you can join and you can get benefits, uh, discount codes for, for things like Onyx Hunt. Um, I think Go Hunt Maps, Go Hunt has a deal where if you join um, and use one of the Hal codes, you know, Hal gets a big, big donation and, and you get some points in their store. So I'm not, I'm not expert in all the different deal codes. I do know that howl for wildlife works as the citizens, the citizen hunter advocacy portal that makes communicating with the agencies and legislators, elected leaders, decision makers, makes it easy, efficient, and effective. Um, howl for wildlife was involved in about 38 different initiatives last year. Most of them, howl was on the winning side of the dialogue or the decision-making and um, hundreds of thousands of messages were delivered by people just like you through the HAL website, the Take Action Portal to decision-makers. So check out Health for Wildlife and uh, get active there, sign up and use it as a tool to learn about issues that are gonna threaten quality wildlife management or threaten hunting opportunities and conservation here in the U.S. Um, you, doesn't matter what state you're in, you can participate across state lines, and um, it's a great mechanism to get involved with, uh, so that we can rally behind each other and uh, <laughs> and support quality hunting and wildlife management um, in the U.S. So, anyways, on to the meeting. Um, I'm just going to kind of run down the, the agenda items themselves and what was discussed and then kind of how I interpreted the dialogue and the outcome of the, uh, of the specific agenda items, uh, on the first, and I, I didn't get to see everything cause my, my day job was, was intense this last week. And so I, <laughs> I didn't get to participate or observe the entire meeting. So I'm only going to be able to talk to, to the items that I was there for, or the items I was, I was on zoom for, um, <clears throat> but I'll give you my, my rundown. Um, on day one, the second agenda item was Upland Game Hunting Draws, and it looks like the uh, the department and uh, the, the department is considering uh, moving Upland Game Draws to the same platform that big game hunters use to put in for draws related to like deer and elk and sheep and antelope, and it looks like it's. It, I mean, this is a, this is not a controversial issue. Um, it's going to make it easier to, you know, quote shop for the upland game draws. It's going to give better visibility to them, to all the hunters that are already on the draw system. Um, and so it's kind of a non-controversial item, but it's, it's good to see that the department is taking initiative to improve effectiveness and efficiency of their systems and and put some of these opportunities um, more directly in the eye in front of people that are going to use them. Um, I for one didn't know that there was upland game draw opportunities for hunts, and so the fact that they're moving this over to the uh, the same draw system, same platform that we use for big game is is probably a good thing. 
the Wildlife Resource Committee, of course, uh, saw no issue with it. Um, and what they'll do is they will support or they supported the department's request for for to have this move towards uh, regulatory changes. It'll it'll then go to the commission staff or to the commission itself um, in the next month or two. And then the commission will say yes, they'll vote. And hopefully they'll say yes uh, to the department to go ahead and start to create the rulemaking process. So basically seeds are planted in the wildlife resource committee meeting. They're talked about, they're fleshed out, and then they don't really take life until they can go to the commission. Um, and when the commission says, yeah, I go to rulemaking at that pro at that point, it's, it starts the rulemaking process, which is in and of itself, a few meetings worth and uh, potentially several months to be done. So when things are set, when things are agreed to or, or, or move forward out of the WRC, it's not immediate. Um, it's probably something that would take effect anywhere between four and, and 12 months later. So that, that was the second item on the agenda. Upland game hunting draws uh, moving to the automated license data system, which we already use for big game. So that's good. The third item on the agenda was preference points and refunds for hunting tags. Uh, if you've been following California uh, preference point and return tag issues in the last couple of years, you know that we've had some very major f wildfires. Uh, 2022, almost none. Thank goodness. That was a, a nice break. But 2020 and 2021, massive wildfires that prompted either... Um, reactive closures to a lot of our public land or uh, kind of proactive preventative closures of nearly all of our public land in, in terms of the uh, national forests and even some of the wildlife areas that the department oversees. With those major closures of public land access, uh, people that had kind of once in a lifetime hunts in hand, you know, wild sheep, antelope, they had elk, elk tags in hand, um, and some of our premium deer hunts, uh, they weren't able to hunt because the public lands were closed. Um, and so the department saw, you know, we all, we all have a risk, you know, you get a tag, it's not, there's no guarantees. Um, but what we do expect and, and the department acknowledges that when we get a tag, you generally expect the opportunity to go at least like, you know, the entire zone won't be shut down. Um, due to wildfire, but that's what was happening. And so the department responded, worked with the commission and twice in response to 2020's fires, in response to 2021's fires, twice they instituted kind of a temporary rulemaking to allow people that were effectively locked out from their hunts to return those tags and get their um, points back. So the points, obviously, if, you, if you've got something that took, you know, 15, 18, 22 points to draw, losing those points is, is it's priceless. It's, it's more than any kind of money could ever, you know, replace. And so getting the points back was critical, but also on some of those hunts, um, you know, the tags are several hundred to even more than a thousand dollars if you're a non-resident. So on the non-deer species, they actually went as far as to refund a significant portion of the of the tag cost as well those were done kind of as temporary uh reactive measures that the department and the commission felt were fair and with the knowledge that there would be some they, they'd kind of monitor how those went um thankfully in 2022 we didn't have the large-scale fires so it's not as big of an issue but the commission 
and the department wanted to come back and kind of finalize some long-term rulemaking um, around that process. And then also the department wanted to respond to one of the items in Dan Ryan's petition, 2021-017. A couple of the items in Dan Ryan's petition spoke to regulatory changes that had to do with the draw. Um, One of those issues was closing a loophole that allows uh, a member of a group, um, if you apply as a group in the draw, as you know, the, the points are averaged out for the group. So say I've got 10 and my friend's got zero. We go in together as a group. We effectively have five. And this loophole would have ena- enables people to take those tags, have one person from the group not hunt. They get their points back. And then the rest of the group can hunt. And of course, those people lose their points. But if the person who chooses not to hunt is the person with all the points. So again, me and my buddy, we have 10 points. I have 10, he's got zero. If I'm the one that doesn't hunt, I get my points back. So next year, my buddy's got zero again because he hunted. I've still got 10, maybe even 11 because I, I got my another point for that year. And so it's called the grandma loophole. The idea being that you know people have their grandma magically is, is maintaining her, uh, her hunting license and she's in the draw every year. And, but she never hunts. <laughs> and so as part of this overall package of looking at preference points and refunds on hunting tags, the department is going to um, kind of formalize their long-term structure for returning tags before a season starts, when and how there might be an opportunity to return a tag after the season or after the season started, if there's if it's in response to a, a large public land closure, and then also closing that loophole on party tags, how those are handled. Um, so that's good to see. And again, there wasn't a lot of lot not a lot of controversy on that um, for both the upland game issue and this this preference points issue. Um, Anti hunters, you know, got up and talked about. Their, their desire to not see animals killed, you know, they, they kind of go off, they, they take a small little bit of whatever the agenda item is, then go off on their platform of, of why do we even kill animals? It's, it's detrimental to the planet. And, and they, they were kind of disruptive early on, just in the fact that they would take these agenda items that are not, should we hunt, should we not hunt agenda items? And they would turn them into that. And, and that kind of got under the skin of the commissioners because um, the commission wants to run an efficient meeting and the, pu- the commentary on each item is supposed to be focused on that item itself not not turn into a you know a, a policy platform where people just start you know ad-libbing and, and going off on you know all kinds of other extraneous and unrelated topics so that was interesting to see how the anti-hunters, you know, just insert themselves in any agenda item and effectively come in and say, um, you know, a lot of different things that are focused on hunting's bad. People shouldn't be killing animals. People shouldn't be killing fish. People shouldn't be killing birds. You know, it's it's almost comical, um, but it's 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 what we've got to deal with because they're there and they're persistent and they're they're like. Uh, 
you know, just like a thorn, they just get under your skin and, and they just sit there and fester. And so, but they're allowed in the meetings and uh, these are public forums and thank goodness they are public forums because that means we're, we are allowed to be there as well. And most importantly, when we're there, we can present ourselves well, we can present ourselves respectfully, um, we can stay on point and we can talk about the values that, that we are that we uphold in terms of hunting and wildlife and more land, more critters on the landscape, conservation and whatnot. Um, and we can do so in a way that is, is favorable for, uh, and helps us, you know, be respected and looked to as leaders in the, in the dialogue, as opposed to being distractors or agitators, or, um, I think that's it. They're, they're basically agitators. The anti-hunters were in these meetings. So we talked about upland game hunting draws, preference points. Best thing coming out of the preference points discussion that's new is that the department is going to go forward with rulemaking inspired by Dan Ryan's petition, calling out the grandma loophole, loophole and it will fix this party tag application, party tag returned issue, which is fantastic. Um, so kudos to Dan Ryan on, on making that happen. And um, and putting that out in the public eye for discussion and some decisions to be made. So very very happy to see that. That was uh, that alone is worth the dialogue that took place around um, petition twenty twenty one zero one seven. And actually, I'll jump ahead on that issue and I'll read you what the what the department is proposing on that item. So for the uh, party party application return tag rule, they are going to propose that individual party members may return tags only if their points are less than or equal to the party points average. And then all party members must return their tags for all points reinstatement. So what that means is we'll go to myself and my buddy again. Say I've got 10 and my buddy's got two. So we have 12. We average to six. We draw a hunt that took six points. I can't return my tag because I don't have – my points are not less than or equal to the average. Our average is six. Um, and so what this does is it creates some flexibility to where – some people in the party can return their tags. Some individuals can. Um, but the per the people that are pulling that average number up cannot. And that creates a little more fairness there so that people that are pulling that average up are not year in and year out canceling their hunt, keeping their points, and then reusing their points the next year. So it's good. And then that all party members must return their tags for all points reinstatement. Basically, that means if I, as the person with 10 points, want my points back, all of us have to return our tags. Um, not just me. I don't get my points back. Not just, you know, the whole party has to return tags. So they're going to they're gonna go through that exercise and get this taken care of. 
Um, they did have an initial assessment that said there's not widespread abuse, and that's fine. There, there may not be widespread abuse, but if there's 25 people, you know, out of the the thousands that are applying that are pulling a great tag every year because they've got this opportunity and this loophole exists, then that loophole should be closed. And so they're going to do that. They're going to take care of that. So that's good. So after that, they talked about chronic wasting disease. Um, if you follow where and uh, you know where chronic wasting disease exists, you know it's not in California yet. It has touched the, the I think the northeastern edge of Oregon. Um, it is in many of the northern Rocky states. Of course, it's in it's in Canada. It's in many of the midwestern plain states, and it's a bad thing. And we don't want it here in California. There's a lot of different theories, um, a lot of science around what causes CWD to to spread to kind of to take root in a population or a herd of cervids, uh, deer and elk and whatnot. And um, there's some debate there, but I think it's safe to say that we don't want CWD in California. And so the fact that we don't have it now, now's the time for the department to continually study and stay on top of the issue and and look at what safeguards do we need to have. What more regular, not not necessarily regulation, but what what are the safeguards we need to have in terms of importation of of deer from out of state, dead or alive, <laughs> um, deer parts, dead or alive, and um, and what are there any products that we need to ban here in the state of California? I think one of the things they're looking at doing is is banning um, deer urine. You know, actual, you know, biological deer urine, not 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 chemically fabricated deer urine, but biological deer urine from being used in the state as a scent, either a masking scent or a lure scent. And so, you know, I going back to my early days hunting, I thought that uh, you know doe and estrus scent was going to help bring in all those bucks, and um, it didn't. You know, I don't know if it did anything good at all. I don't think we've found here in California that that scent products, uh, especially you know urine-based scent products, are really effective for hunting here in California. So there wasn't really any anti, there wasn't really any hunter pressure on this issue. The hunters that spoke, and several did, were largely in favor and appreciative of the fact that the department is pursuing this and trying to stay ahead of it and make sure it doesn't become an issue in the state. Um, ironically, the anti-hunters had an issue here too. Of course, they saw this as an opportunity to point out that, you know, great, you know, pre predation, predatory animals, wolves were cited, bears, but primarily wolves were cited as the most effective tool to reducing CWD uh, incidents in in a herd, and that's because it takes out the weak animals. Um, I agree. You know, predators will take out weak animals, but I can guarantee you, there's there's plenty of wolves <laughs> in the northern Rockies um, that are going after perfectly healthy uh, young and adult uh, elk and deer. And they're not just living off of the deer that have CWD. So it's not a, it's not a perfect correlation. Um, I did talk to a, uh, a biologist who's up in the northern end of the state who ironically was at the same time as this meeting also attending 
a, a CWD conference with other biologists. And his point was that from the discussion, the science they were looking at, that predation is an important as is hunting. And there's areas that, you know, in the Midwest where there's just, there's whitetail, whitetail like rats, they're just everywhere. Um, and not, you know, you could get like, I think it was quoted like in Ohio, you can get like a dozen tags and the average hunter takes one, you know, one to two deer. And so they've got a, they've got a huge herd population and population density. And it's that density of animals being in close proximity to each other that these diseases spread so quickly and so effectively. So obviously if you hunt in California, you know that there are not any herds that are so greatly populated that they're, um, you know, high density and you have a lot of animals at the same watering hole all the time. We just don't have the, the, we don't have the herd for that. Um, so that's an important detail. Sadly, we don't have the herd for that. And thankfully, I guess if, in terms of CWD, we don't have the herd for that. But again, it was interesting how the anti-hunters had something to say about that um, because it, you know, it's really very focused on doing what's good for the wildlife. And they had to get up and, and taint the conversation by, by talking about how we just need more predators to, uh, to, kill, more, to kill more of the herd and thin it out, um, which I don't think is you know, necessary here in California. We've got a good predator base here in the state and, and they've done a good job of, of thinning out the herd already. Uh, the fifth item on the, on the WRC agenda on Wednesday evening was in fact Dan Ryan's petition to the commission with 27 different regulatory changes suggested. Um, this is pretty disappointing. Uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the department did pick up the issue of the uh, party tag return loophole, and they're going to close that and improve that situation. Um, one of the other tag return items was to asking the department to create a more efficient marketplace. I shouldn't even say more efficient. It was asking the department to create an, an efficient marketplace for the resale of return tags. Um, and the, the, the reason is that there are tags that are very highly valued and, and coveted that are drawn every year and then not used. Um, hundreds. Now, the department said that the average was 100, but I believe in the last several years, there's been quite a few more, especially with uncertainty around wildfires and whatnot, access issues. So <clears throat> if you've ever looked at Nevada's first come first serve system, they have it set up to where if a tag is returned within two weeks of the season opening, they don't go down and start calling their, their, their backup list uh, for those tags. They go straight into what's called the first come first serve system. It's very randomized. The tag could go live and be available at midnight. It could be available at 5 p.m. It could be at 6 a.m. It could be any time during the day. It goes up, it goes live. And if you're there looking at that tag and you want to buy it and go hunt, you can buy it right then. You lose your points in the process. Um, but anybody with access to a smartphone or a computer can do that. And it's, it's a very efficient mechanism. And they're reselling thousands of tags every year. Um, for for multiple benefits, the department's getting the money from the tag, and people are getting out to go hunt. Um, if they've got harvest targets that are very specific, 
then those people going out and hunting um, and taking those animals off the landscape helps meet meet the target harvest that's expected. Um, and it's just a great way to maximize opportunity. You know, when, when, when a hundred tags are allocated and only 87 people get to go hunt, then why, why do we allocate a hundred tags? And so if the allocations are there, let's maximize that opportunity. And Dan Ryan was asking in his petition to build that out, have our department build that out. Um, they decided to reject that proposal at this time because from the department's view, there's not enough tags that would fall into that. Uh, scenario to be worthwhile. And I'm sure there's cost to building that out. Um, Technology is not free. Systems are not free. And so from a you know financial standpoint, budgets are tight. And if it was going to cost, you know, more than more to build out the system and, and manage it, then we would gain in revenue. Um, then I can see where they would say no. Uh, I think it's up to us as hunters and participants in the system to stay on this with them and you know if it is only a, a several dozen or 100 tags a year and financially it's not viable then okay so be it um but if it's if it's several hundred tags and and you know the the wrong data point was used to to make this assessment then i think we should stay on top of it with the department and the commission and have them revisit this idea because i for one and I think you as well would love the opportunity. You know, we're talking elk, we're talking antelope, wild sheep tags that don't go use premium uh, deer tags in California. I mean, there's hunts that if it popped up on my radar that I could go grab a, you know, grab an X12 or X9A or X5B tag on short notice. Um, heck, I'd do it, you know, or I wouldn't. I'd pass, but somebody would do it. Somebody would grab that up in, in, in a matter of seconds. And so we have some great hunting opportunities here that are only available through the draw. And if those tags get returned, let's have them resold. Um, so I think it's going to be on us to, to, to stay on top of that and, um, you know, continue to, to keep a little bit of pressure on the department, not be rude about it. They made their decision. They did the assessment. That's, that's often the best we can ask. Um, and then uh, we can just stay on top of them about, seeing if there's really an, a better opportunity there. As far as the rest of Dan's petition, um, they rejected almost all of it. And it's frustrating because there was a lot of good good stuff there. And I think they largely rejected it with, because they say they don't have the bandwidth to assess and study each of the items individually. Um, from a public input view, our advocacy was really strong. Um, the department knows that we want changes. The department knows that we want to see action and movement on these issues. And they know that we're involved and we're engaged and we're participating in the process. And so that's good. Uh, they know that they like it, <laughs> but um, <coughs> I think from a, from, a, from a bandwidth perspective and a resource perspective, They've 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 had a lot of uh, biologists and kind of program manager slots unfilled over the last year or two, which is unfortunate. I don't know, you know, okay, the leadership at the Department of Fish and Wildlife isn't filling those slots. Why? You know, we need to ask those questions. Why aren't these slots being filled? Is it budgeting? Is it time? Is it or is it priorities? And so I think those are 
those are worthwhile questions. And I don't know the answer. You know, it's easy to speculate. Oh, they don't care. Or, you know, or they're they're intentionally doing this to sandbag and sabotage the system. You know, I don't, I don't think I don't think either of those is is fair to say without without more study and more knowledge. But we can, as hunters and as advocates, stay on top of the the department and and the leadership and and really demand that we be involved um, more and that they be more proactive in getting these things done. One of the most important items on the petition that Dan submitted was the second bear tag option. The idea of offering up a second bear tag to hunters over the counter within the same framework as our existing seasons, hunting zones, and uh, harvest maximum. So in theory, if the harvest maximum is good, I think it's 1700 a year, we never get to it. That's a good number. Then why not sell more tags and get more people that are dedicated to bear hunting out, on, out in the field? and um and harvest those bears uh it's good for management it's good for opportunity and it's great for the financial standing of the department because those second tags i can guarantee you they'd sell more second tags than bears would be harvested so it's just free it's just free money it's just more money being gifted to the department um voluntarily you know i would be buying that second tag for sure um they have deferred that decision or that concept until after the new bear management plan is received, which is currently draft form is expected in May of 2023. So that has slipped a month. It was going to be April of 2023. Now it's going to be May of 2023. And they're going to get that bear management plan done before they start looking at new methods of take, new tags, new allocations, new seasons, new zones, things like that. So we knew that would be the case. Um, but, but I say we, myself, and I think the, the general hunting community that's involved and engaged here, we knew that would be the case, but at the same time, we also know that the department showed us an amazing report last April, April of 2022, that documented that our state has a robust and abundant bear population, and it is far expanded outside of the, the geography of the, of the current hunt zones. So we know the data is there. Now that data was presented not in a bear management plan format. It was presented as a response to the Humane Society's attempt to end bear hunting in California. Um, now that data is being put back together, probably built up even more, and presented as a bear management plan. And so that's good. We need that. Um, we're, I'm impatient, though. Um, I think we all have a right to be a little bit impatient, um, but that's what that's that was that was the decision there on the second bear tag. So hopefully we get that, or even better, some other options for us once that bear management plan is presented, and then we can start looking at what the harvest mechanisms and quotas and whatnot are in that bear management plan. Uh, the other items that I thought were hard for the department to tackle all at once, but worth having them tackle one or two of was the idea of developing some new premium hunts. And by premium hunts, I mean like a late season, late season archery hunt, um, late season rifle, late season muzzleloader, basically rut hunts or early, like an early season rifle. You know, we all know that if you get up into the back country, get up into the high Alpine, it's often easiest to see deer in velvet, say in August, they're out, they're out on view a little bit more. Um, what an what an amazing opportunity to, to have like a rifle hunt or a muzzle loader hunt during those times where you can get a little bit of longer longer shot a little easier shot on on a deer and velvet 
that type of thing. But you can't do that in mass. Like you can't give out thousands of those tags because we would deplete the resource. We'd have, it would be too successful. So the idea that was proposed was taking percentages of tags where we have tens of thousands of tags issued, literally 10,000 in D6, um, you know, like 33 or 35,000 for D3 to D5. You know, B zone is like 60,000 or 55,000 tags up in B zone. A zone's up to 100,000 tags. So taking these zones where we have, it's, it's effectively over the counter, thousands of tags available, tens of thousands, converting some of those, taking them out of the pool effectively, like say it was D6, taking 500 tags out of the pool from D6 where we have a 10% success rate and doing 50 late season rut hunts. And it's like, well, why would we do that? It's like, because we have two tags available to us. We can always get another tag, but it's hard to get these premium hunts in the draw. It takes years. And so the idea is like, let's get more premium hunt opportunities in the draw so that the average hunter can get out and have that experience every few years, not every five to 10 years. The average hunter can get out and go out. Yeah, maybe they, maybe they end up with one tag some years, but they also get to go out and do this special hunt more frequently to where it's tangible. It's like within reach. It's going to keep people more involved in the California draw and keep people more involved in California hunting. Um, so without, without having a big depletion of the resource, because you can gear it, you can, it's like a gearing ratio. You take some tags away, you put new tags in, you look at the harvest percentages for both, and then you monitor that and you adjust accordingly. So the department didn't reject any of those. They just said no recommendation at this time. And they said that, you know, there's a lot of analysis needed, biological effects on the herd, implications of hunter opportunity. I think that there's a lot of hand-wringing behind the scenes with the department. I think they're afraid of doing anything in this, in this type of situation. They're afraid if they put too many tags out, it's going to deplete the resource. There's going to be over harvest and then they're going to get a lawsuit. They're going to get attacked by the anti-hunters. You know, some, something's going to go wrong on that side of it. Or they're afraid that because they're going to take OTC over the counter tags with like 200,000 of them effectively for A, B, uh, C, D zones, because they're going to take some, some tags away, people are going to complain about hunter opportunity going away. I for one have thought for two, couple years now and, Almost every hunter in California I've talked to agrees. We have such a generous system that we have room to give on some of these OTC tags. I think the department's afraid of a lot of backlash if they convert some over-the-counter tags into premium hunts. I don't think they need to be afraid of that. I think this is an area where we as a community need to come in and say, look, CDFW, we would like to see this happen. This is good. Like taking in, in the D3 to 5 zone, like, yeah, take 2,000 tags away. Where's 33,000 tags available? We don't need to be climbing all over each other in this zone, having that much pressure during the general season. Convert some of those tags and do some special hunts that are fun, that are interesting, that are exciting, that have a higher opportunity for success. And, and we can use those in the, in the draw, you know, we'll get those in the draw and it's still going to be fine. Um, really the way our AO tags are issued, you could take a lot of tags out of the system and we still have AO tags available, hundred thousand AO tags that 
that only 10,000 get sold. So there's so many tags available uh, in California and it's a two deer state, which is unheard of in the West, West, Western states, especially with mule deer populations. So anyways, the department said no recommendation on these premium hunt creation. I think they're afraid of hunter backlash uh, to loss of opportunity. It's going to take us as a community to continue to work with them on this and present that this is something that we would be interested in and that we see value in and that we understand that you can't just throw thousands of rut hunt tags out there because it depletes the resource. Um, so I think it's going to take some more more contact from us, more pressure from us as a community, and um, maybe we'll see those happen. The department leadership did talk about some of these, though. They, they talked about that they've got like a, a deer program manager uh, that they expect to be hiring in the next couple months. Um, you know, they, they, they're short on biologists. They did state that they know there's an appetite for these things. They know that it's a headcount and staffing issue where they're short right now. And they know that they have those staffing, those positions are going to be filled in 2023. That's the expectation. And as soon as they get those positions filled, they expect to be able to turn those staff members on to these ideas and these issues and start making progress. So that's what I hope to see. Um, some of these, these positions have been open for a long time and well, what's going to change? They haven't been filled yet, but the pledge from the leadership at the CDFW is that they're going to fill these positions. They'll start making progress. Why would we believe that? The reason that I think we can rely on that to some degree is they filled the elk manager position this year. Uh, Dr. Tom Batter, he's got a PhD um, in wildlife biology, I believe. Anyways, Tom was hired by the department this last year, 2022. And within six months, he produced proposals, which were some things that I've been asking for publicly and behind the scenes, as well as what was, which incorporated some ideas that were proposed by Dan Ryan and some ideas that were proposed apparently behind the scenes by RMEF, though we don't see that publicly, um, to yield more elk tags in the state of California. So they filled the position. And then within six months, we have proposals going into rulemaking for new elk zones, new elk hunts, new elk tags to the tune of like a 30%, 25 to 30% increase in tags in the state, which is phenomenal. So that's great progress. And hopefully the department leadership, and we have to support that and celebrate. Like, yeah, I want to see that number 10 X by modifications to hunt uh, method of take during during the rut and things like that. But that's great progress. That is phenomenal incremental progress that we have to celebrate. I want to see the same type of thing. And that's what that's what CDFW leadership is telling us we'll have is when the deer program manager is hired or biologists are hired, they'll be able they'll start doing the same type of thing in the deer space as well. Um, hopefully we have a bear biologist soon in 2023 as well. I think that space has been empty for quite a while. So we need a large carnivore biologist. We need a deer, deer, deer program manager. Um, so we need to hold it to them. 
hold them to it that they're going to do these things um, once those once those seats are filled at the department. So that was the end of the day. Um, just recap on Dan Ryan's petition. They're moving forward on the party tag return loophole uh, closure, which is great. They have already done some of the elk uh, hunt opportunity improvements, which is fantastic. So they did those. Most everything else in the um, petition has been denied or you know kind of tabled for an indefinite period of time. Um, in the second day, they talked about uh, bullfrogs and non-native turtles. It seems like it's a it's a it's a conversation that's been happening at the commission level for for years. Um, talked about the Klamath River and tributaries above the Iron Gate Dam um, in terms of what's going to happen on that river and those tributaries after the uh, Iron Gate Dam uh, or dams are removed. And so that's kind of interesting. I'm not I'm not really up to speed on on the river fishing, you know, the river fisheries issues, but it's kind of fascinating to, to see what's going on there and learn about that. Um, I'm going to jump ahead because I missed a lot of the middle of the day. And um, I came in at the at the towards the the last part of the day on the second day for this WRC meeting because I really want to get in and, and listen to the um, the wildlife branch bear management plan uh, update. And this was when it comes to anti hunters. This was an absolute clown show. Um, it was amazing. I'll go back to the, let me go back to Dan Ryan's petition because the bear topic was on Dan Ryan's petition. The anti hunters came out into force on the first day as well. And because they were there to speak about the second bear tag, which brought them in to talk. And then they went off on bear hunting in general and they brought, um, People from all over the state, most of them are paid uh, organizers. They're paid, you know, they're 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 an executive director for you know some animal society in LA. They're uh, you know they're 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 against the take of wildlife. They're against the take of any bears, and they were citing. Humane Society talking points from before the Humane Society's petition was rejected. So they're citing threats to the bear habitat, threats to the bear population that last April's report completely rejected. And it was almost comical how the anti-hunters will latch on to anything that might stir or sway an uninformed person's view. This year, a couple of the talk, you know, so they're talking about what started two years ago, wildfire and drought are hurting the bears. This year it's wildfire and floods because <laughs> of all the rain are hurting the bears. Um, the other thing this year that they're bringing in is uh, they're going out, they're trying to go after archery hunting of bears uh, because, you know, if you're uninformed, you're going to think that, uh, you know, if you, a bear is shot with an arrow, it dies a, a, a slow suffering death when in fact a well-placed arrow is as effective and sometimes more effective, a lot of times more effective 
than a, a bullet. Um, but your average non-hunter won't know that. They won't know that a bear can die and will die in less than a minute with a well-placed arrow. And, and that's our goal as hunters. We don't want, we don't want animal suffering. I don't want animal suffering and I know you don't. So we take it very seriously to hunt ethically and hunt humanely, um, whether it's bears or elk or, or deer or any other game. Um, but they're going after archery hunting. Certainly they have focus grouped that, you know, tested that in focus groups and they've got people, non-hunters that are, you know, swayed emotionally by the idea that archery hunting is, is mean and, and cruel. So they're going to go after that. And they're also going after a, bu a buzz line of uh, ecotourism that bears contribute to the ecotourism economy in the state of California. And what they're talking about, they're citing how, you know, millions of people go into the forest like Yosemite National Park to experience wilderness and wildlife. And the irony there is that, yeah, of course they do. And that won't change with bear hunting. Bear hunting has been going on for decades and the bear population grows every year and of course yosemite national park where people go most of the backcountry you know king's canyons and sequoia national parks where people see bears a lot um, they're protected you can't hunt bears there you can't hunt anything in those national parks and so the ecotourism angle makes great sense we have lots of ecotourism in california um which will remain the same exactly as it is today. It'll stay exactly the same in the future where people can go see bears cruising through Yosemite Valley, no matter what is done with the, with the bear management plan. So, but those are two new kind of taglines or buzzwords that, and talking points that the anti-hunters are bringing at us this year. Ecotourism and archery hunting are bad. So get ready for that. Get ready for that. Um, so we'll jump up to the bear management plan update um, from the wildlife branch. They really didn't have a lot to say. And I think it's because they know it's just going to be a total clown show when the anti-hunters get in. They really start talking about line items in that plan. So the plan is proceeding. They've got they've got outside experts from that are not part of the department. So they've got third-party experts, third-party consultants participating. They've got somebody that is an expert in the social science of hunting and, and, and carnivore hunting, carnivore management. They've got experts on habitat. They've got experts on bear, uh, bear behavior, bear social systems, all this stuff, probably more than you and I would ever think is necessary. But they're really covering their bases by getting outside third-party experts. They're getting peer review um by university level you know um wildlife and ecologies uh sciences you know um, researchers and experts so they're putting this together very comprehensively because they know it's going to get attacked they know it's going to get torn apart and i for one i'm optimistic i believe based on what we saw with their report in april we know and they will reflect in the in this management plan we know there is 
an abundance of bears in the state of California. We know that bears are in sustainable populations in areas outside the current hunt zones. We know that there are areas within the current hunt zones where bears are hitting saturation or overpopulation. Um, and it's not reflected just by the amount of interaction that bears have with humans, but it's reflected in uh, bears having been pushed out of habitat. It's reflected by the health of the bears. It's reflected by the um, impacts that those dense populations of bears are having on other on the prey species such as deer. So I'm optimistic that this management plan is going to come out with a robust, abundant, and healthy population. Um, it's going to identify where that population is and to what levels of density. And I, I kind of hope it indicates a, a much broader set of guardrails for harvest. Um, you know, if, if we're at 1,700 now and they say that we can take up to 10%, Let's back it down to eight percent to be safe. Wouldn't surprise me if they if they come out and say that you know a a harvest of three thousand bears a year would be sustainable and even leave the population growing. Um, and I I think they may come out and say that specific zones there's some zone specific areas where harvest could be increased specifically there. Um, so we'll see what they come out with. But the public comment was insane. The public comment. There was probably 30 anti-hunters, most of them, again, paid uh, <laughs> agitators, paid lobbyists, paid uh, employees of these various associations. And they were threatening, um, you know, it's kind of pounding their fists about the, the press release that they were going to come out with after the meeting. They were threatening bringing in news crews if they didn't get to talk as long as they wanted to talk. They got off script all the time. The, the, they, they wanted to talk about making bear hunting illegal. They want to talk about uh, tag allocations. And none of that was supposed to happen because that's not the topic. The topic is the management plan. And these anti-hunters went just rabid. And I cannot wait to see the video put up online. It should be it should be live and online, not live, but it should be posted online within a couple of weeks um, because there's going to be some comical, scary but comical um, opportunities to see the mindset and the rhetoric that the anti hunters use. What's scary though is that they'll use this approach in a public forum, in an official public forum. And it gives you an idea as to how they would communicate with just your average non-hunter. Um, they will spin lies. They will spin the rhetoric. They will spin stories. Um, and if we are not out there sharing our stories and our views and the data that is known to be true about how we hunt, what this means to us, and what how healthy these wildlife populations are. If we're not out there sharing it with non-hunters, if we're not out there sharing it with our neighbors and our families and our coworkers, um, social networks broadly, not just in our hunting groups, um, then that dialogue will be defined by the anti-hunters. And that's the real issue here. The real issue here is that we have left a void in how hunting is discussed 
outside of our community. We've left a void, uh, you know, kind of a big black hole vacuum of how wildlife management and hunting are correlated positively. We've we've left a void where the anti-hunters can define us as just people who just want to kill things. And that's because we weren't there. And if we just roll our eyes and turn our back to that dialogue, that is the message that will sink in with the non-hunters. And that's the message that will then steer public opinion. So I'm urging you, um, urging you to share your share your experiences, your adventures, your your scouting, share the process, share the stories of failure and the success and then what those successes mean to you. Share, you know, sh- share up some pictures of the meat, um, the, the burger meat, the, the sausage, the, the stew, whatever you're making with, with your harvest. Share that out outside of the hunting community because these anti-hunters will say anything. They will break. They will, they will absolutely manipulate the truth and they will fabricate lies to steer other people's views against what you and I believe in and actually against what's positive for wildlife management as a whole. So that's my, uh, that's my little lecture on that net summary of the entire WRC meeting. Um, I think it's a great experience to witness these conversations. I encourage you to attend via zoom or in person whenever you can. Um, our commission is interested in science. They're interested in balance. They're interested in opportunity. And they absolutely don't like the the BS and the disrespect that has been brought in recently, especially by some of the anti-hunting groups. Um, and that's our chance to shine. That's our chance to look good. That's our chance to have positive dialogue is to not fall into that, that style of communication. So let's not do it. Um, but there are some positive things coming out of the, the, the WRC and the commission in the next few months. Um, so stay on top of it and stay involved because we need to be in that room. We need to be in the arena to have these conversations and not let those anti-hunters define who and what we are and what we believe in. So the commissioners probably don't buy it, but if we're not there to refute it, it's a lot easier for those messages to sink in. So we've got to be involved. We've got to be advocates and, uh, encourage you to stay on top of what's happening here in California and in other states because it's going to affect us at some point even if it's happening in other states Um, get involved with howl for wildlife you can follow howl for wildlife on instagram you can follow them on facebook you can of course sign up on the website howlforwildlife.org to be involved and receive the updates and action alerts and uh encourage you to do that so thanks for listening again hunting ain't easy in California or in many other places as well. Um, It's the adventure and the effort that's most important. And obviously the harvest is icing on the cake, which we love. Um, So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. We'll see you at the next Fish and Game Commission meeting, I hope. Bye.